0: Uh, This morning we are continuing with our series on the assurance of our salvation. Um, The intention of this this series is to uh, encourage us or maybe remind us, if if it's a reminder for some of you guys, what it means to have our salvation in Jesus. As I've been saying for the last uh, few weeks, our salvation is so much more than about us going to heaven when we die. Uh, Yes, It's true, we will be going to heaven. At the same time, we are eternally grateful if that is the only thing that we get. It is because we didn't do anything to contribute to us receiving salvation, right? Nothing, zero, none. Uh, But thankfully, our salvation also means so much more to us in terms of right now, here and now, in this place, on this earth. Uh, So the heart of the series is to equip us with the knowledge of who we truly are as followers of Jesus Christ so we can live in the present, live in the here and now with confidence and with security, with the understanding that we are in Christ, the hope of glory. He's in us, the hope of glory. So uh, just a quick summary, as, as I've been saying every week, through our salvation, we have become the people of God. So that means we're not meant to live day to day, right? We're not trying to make it to the next paycheck well, or accepting what other people think about us or accepting the limitations of what other people have put on us. And just, what, just like what came through in the songs this morning, God is reminding us, do not fear. Do not step back. Step forward because I'm always surrounding you. Just like the fight song that we sing. right? I love the fight song. The, the words is very simple. The lyrics is very simple. It may seem like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. We're surrounded by God, and we need to remember that. You know, I'm, I'm reminded again of, of um, that we, it, it seems like we're small, but the church is a blessing to the city. Each of us, individually, is a blessing to the city. We're meant to be here. So the city is not a blessing to us. We're the blessing to the city because of who we are. We have God, and we're surrounded by him. And it's a reminder for us as 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 we get together, as we worship, he speaks to us, and he's reminding us. And as Gavin said, it's an encouragement to us of who we are in him. Um, So anyway, so we, we find our security and our abilities in God and in him alone. And as a reminder, and through our relationship with God, we are reminded of who we are. We know where we are, who we are now, and where we are going, right? We're people of God, and through that knowledge, we can live life to the fullest, in the present, right now, instead of just waiting until, you know, when Jesus comes, because I would hear that a lot. People say, oh, man, I wish Jesus would come back, Jesus would come back tomorrow. I was like, yes, me too, but there are things for us to do here and now, uh, because we want to know what that is and know where we are and know where we're going. I read a quote somewhere that it said, vision, I think I had that on vision without action is a daydream. Action without vision is a nightmare. So you need both, right? So action as in do the things that need to be done in the present or live in the present. And vision as in knowing where we're going and take the appropriate appropriate action to get there. So we want to be people with both, right? People with do the actions, and people with the vision because God has given each of us a vision. We need to know what that is, each and every one of us, so we can confidently step forward uh, for us individually and for us as a church. And, and God has also equipped us through this series, and hopefully we'll find out that he is really equipping us to take the appropriate actions in reaching that vision so we can be assured of God's vision for our lives and how he's equipping us, Then we can have a better understanding of our salvation and what it means have confidence in our salvation, so when we share our salvation, share the gospel, share the good news, right? The gospel is the good news. And sharing that from a place of not being timid, knowing that the good news is that we've been saved from eternal damnation, right? It sounds bad, but that's what it is. Saved from eternal restlessness. Saved from eternal pain and suffering. Or put it another way, sharing the gospel is sharing the good news that, hey, we're not going to hell. That's... That's, that, that doesn't sound um, bright and uplifting, but that's the truth. And that's the good news, right? It is a good news. Yes. So we understand nowadays, um, I get it, because we, we I'm including myself, we, we tend to make light of a place called hell. You know, we make jokes about it. We downplay its implications. We've seen shows and TVs and social media. I just downplay uh, hell, But because people don't think it's a big deal, but it is a big deal. It should be a big deal. Therefore, we want to share good news of, of the future that is not hell. Like an, an example is an illustration of, uh, um, you know, sharing with someone, someone's about a dream house, a dream job, a dream car, a Cadillac. But that's, I, I, I don't think that's a dream car for him. Just a, a dream job. Like, so the good news is so much better than that, right? When you want to share a dream house, you want to say, hey, I just got my dream house. You don't go up to people and say, hey, I kind of got a dream house. You know, there's 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 an enthusiasm, there's a passion for it because it is a dream house. And the good news is so much more than that, right? We shouldn't be timid with the good news. If we truly, truly know and understand the gift of, of salvation and have a personal relationship and understand why that is, because we've been reconciled with God, right? We talked about it last week. We're one with God instantly. And completely, we may not know it, we may not realize it, we may not fully understand it, but that's what it is, through our salvation. So we went with him, and we get to know him. And also, using the example from, um, I'm not going to read through this, but from 1 John and 2 Peter, they wrote about how their hands have touched Jesus, their ears have heard the things that Jesus said, their eyes have seen the miracles of Jesus. And that's going back to the illustration of a dream house and a dream car, because you know in your mind what you want, and you're sharing it from a place of understanding uh, of of this dream that you have had, and share that with other people. Like, for example, you don't want to say, hey, I have a dream house, and my dream house is, is big, and it has many bedrooms and bathrooms. Well, duh. But it's different when you share from a place that, hey, my dream house is all the different fixtures, and the light, the lightings, and the, the furnitures, and the, I have this bedroom, this is what it looks like, I have 25 pools, and seven spas, and, you know, who knows what. So when you share with more details, with a personal understanding, then people can actually be in there, so they can feel like they're in the house with you, using that as an illustration. So, that was a long explanation for this series. Um, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm just having my own inside joke with me here. So anyway, so it's, it's to help us have more confidence in our salvation because it's so much more than to be saved. Uh, this morning, we're going to go more in-depth on the topic of justifications. You guys may or may not have heard of the term justif- justifications through our salvation. We're going to talk more in-depth about that this morning because as we receive salvation, we have been justified before the universe, before, before all creation and I want to say it's a very large topic. Um, I won't be able to do it justice with such a short time this morning, so I would try to summarize it as best as I can in the context of this series. So anyway, let's jump into it. Just so we can all be, be on the same, same page, justify, according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, is to prove to be right, right? Just, or um, as in you're qualified, so we've talked in the past about how Jesus' death on, his death on the cross, his sacrifice, paid for our sin. Right? So in short, the biblical justification means through our faith in Jesus, we're justified, right? We've been proven to be right. We're qualified. And we've been proven to be righteous before the Heavenly Father. An illustration is, um, some of you may have heard this before, like if we did something wrong or if we commit a crime and we go before a judge, and to hear our sentencing, uh, to, to hear what the punishment is. And before the sentencing has even been announced, a stranger would step up and say, I will take on the punishment of you, of that crime. I will take it on. Even when we all know in that room, know who committed the crime, which is me. We all know who deserved the punishment, which is me. And we all know who cannot pay for that crime, which is me. But that's an illustration just for us to have a picture. But because Jesus paid for us, paid for our crime, we're able to walk out of that courtroom as a free person with the understanding that our crime slash our wrongdoing has been paid in full. It's not about us getting away with it because sometimes we would do something wrong, right? And we would get away with it because nobody knows. But that's not what this is about. It's not about us getting away with it and nobody knows, but it's knowing that the consequences has been dealt with. Would, if we know that, would we not be very thankful and very grateful of whoever that person is that paid for the consequences for our wrongdoing? And that's why we worship. That's why we always come together and that's why we always sing because we're acknowledging what Jesus has done for us. We want to sing with joy, with gratefulness, and with thankfulness for him. That's just a little side note for us. Um, But anyway, so let's get back to this topic. So we want to talk, I want to talk about a few things that may people may have uh, questions with. For example, is in terms of our sin, why does it have to be paid for, right? And why does blood needs to be involved? And why does it have to be a sacrifice? Now, before I go more in depth, I want to say all these things have been defined by God. God has actually told us and showed us all these things in the Bible. Um, They have been defined by God. And thankfully, they are defined by God. Because if it was up to us, if up to me, I shouldn't say us, maybe I shouldn't lump you guys in here. If it was up to me, I don't get to commit a crime and decide what my punishment should be, right? Because otherwise, I would have a lot of grace on myself. If that was the case for all of us, there would be chaos and lawlessness everywhere if we commit a crime and we can get to decide how we should pay for that crime. So thankfully, God has defined all that for us. He, has, he defined for us what is crime and what is sin and what is the cost of sin. We only need to look to God for our definition as our thinking. We always need to look to God because our thinking thinkings, and our perspectives tend to evolve over time. You guys have heard that term? I find that term evolve, like, I find it very interesting, especially lately, a lot of politicians use that term. How people use this term evolving to justify what is right and what is wrong. God doesn't evolve. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. What was right according to God thousands of years ago is right now, and it's gonna be right a thousand years from now. So thankfully, he's the one that is telling us what is sin and what's the cost of sin and the sacrifice So we all know. Uh, So this is why he is God and we are not, right? Because otherwise the punishment and the crime will change through times and through culture and through what have you. Thankfully we're not God, even though sometimes we may think that we are, or sometimes we may think that we can be God. So let's look at what is sin, right? So sin, it is an act of disobedience. Doing what is not right. This is defined by God. The first mention of the word sin is in Genesis 4. Between Cain and Abel. You guys may be familiar with that where um, the, 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 the sacrifice to God. Cain gave just something's not so good. Abel gave the best of the, the fat and the fruit and first fruit and what have you. So anyway, God said, but if you do not do what is right, Sin is crouching at your door. So when you do not do what is right, that is sin. And what is doing what's right? Obedience to God is doing what is right. It is fairly simple. I think it's very simple. If you do not do what is right, then you have sinned. So that means just be obedience to God. Then we will not sin. We don't need the United Nations, you know, the gathering of hundreds of nations to tell us what is a crime. What is the definition of a crime? If you do not do what is right, that is sin. So this definition transcends all countries, right? Generations, cultures, and languages, and and, um, generations of what have you. If you do not do what is right, if you disobey God, that is sin. We didn't come up with this uh, definition. Otherwise, our definition of sin would evolve over time also, right? It would evolve all people would get away with it according to their time, to their money, the people that they know and the connection that they know because sin is sin, obedience to God. That's it. So what is the price or the cost of sin? Romans six twenty-three. There are many verses in here, but I'm just going to use some of them. For the wages of sin is death. For the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death as in there needs to be a blood sacrifice. Death. Somebody must die to pay for the price of sin or disobedience. We saw God show us an example of this in Genesis 3. So after Adam and Eve disobedience, God showed us a small example of what needs to be done, right? In Genesis 3, verse 21. So after Adam and Eve realized they'd made a boo-boo, or well, more than a boo-boo, so in, uh, in Genesis 3, verse 21, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve. For Adam and his wife and clothed them. So according to this verse, an animal or multiple animals had to die by God's hand. So there can be garments of skin for Adam and Eve. So an innocent animal was sacrificed for their sin. Adam and Eve didn't have anything to do with with the sacrifice. Well, they caused it but they didn't have anything to do with the actual sacrifice itself, right? It was all from God. God was, this animal was created by God, given breath of life by God, raised up by God, and the sacrifice was done by God. So again, the cost of sin or the appropriate sacrifice, which is death, was shown to us by God. So God is letting us know what is sin and what is the cost of it. What needs to be done to bring correction? I mean, it may seem very harsh, like a small sin like that, right? Like a little white lie would require the same sacrifice as a crime of a mass murderer. For us as human, as people, it seems very harsh. I agree. I, I feel that way. But we're not God because God is completely just, completely perfect, and completely righteous. So a small sinful act or a large sinful act is all the same. It is a sinful act, period. And it's because we get to have all or nothing when it comes to God. We're in complete relationship with him or not. Right? We talked about that last week. We're either all with God or not with God on reconciliations. So we instantly have access to all of God through Jesus' sacrifice. We may not realize it, as I said. We may not fully understand it, but we have all of him as we reconcile with him. So with Jesus, we have none of him. Without Jesus, we have none of him. Right? It's all or nothing. There's no middle of the road or, or any lukewarm when it comes to God. We know that's from Revelation 3, verse 15. Right? I, I love this verse. I wish you were one or the other, hot or cold. But because you are lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out. That is something that we need to hang on to and always remember God wants us to be a passionate people, to know him, acknowledge him, declare him, and lift him up. Not someone who's kind of middle of the road, lukewarm. He would prefer for us to be one or the other. Crazy, isn't it? I wish you were one or the other. But because you're lukewarm, we do not want to be lukewarm. So it's either we're righteous or we're not. Either we're justified or we're not. There's no in-between. And as we can see, our sin cannot, can only be corrected or proven right or justified by the blood of someone that has no sin in him. What is the necessary blood sacrifice for us? So it needs to be from someone who is completely spotless, right? Completely righteous, and we talked about that, and that's God. So the true perfect God, an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-encompassing, a God that created time and space. So this is the term, God, God that we're talking about, not just the God of thunder. Like, you know, we just saw the God of thunder part three in the Marvel comics. It's not that God. It's the almighty God, not the, not the sun God or the moon God. A perfect God requires a perfect sacrifice. Some, someone who has not even had a speckle of sin. And we know that. That perfect sacrifice was Jesus. It can only be from Jesus. It can only be from Jesus. As we know, no one is righteous, right? Ever. No one can claim to be righteous. It's from Romans 3, verse 10. So we, just going back to the same example as Adam and Eve, we had nothing to do with that, or we caused it, but we had nothing to do with the actual sacrifice itself. We don't deserve that perfect sacrifice. We cannot even afford or purchase it or create it, that perfect sacrifice. So we think we can live a perfect life and try to come up with this perfect sacrifice through our pride and arrogance. Sadly, I used to think that. Myself included. So, but if we really know ourselves and honest with ourselves, we know that that's not true. We're fooling ourselves, thinking that we can be perfect and we can be a right, live a completely righteous life. So it's proven that, and we know that it's proven that we cannot do this, right? We cannot live a righteous life. God knew that we would think that we can and we would try to, We've seen that from the Old Testament, right? He gave the law to Moses so people can try to live a perfect life. They fail miserably. We know that, right? It caused even more pride, more self-righteousness. This is where religion and legalism comes in, comparing and thinking that we're better than others or thinking that we are God. So we absolutely, absolutely and totally cannot come up with a sacrifice on our own. So I'm trying to get back to the point of the perfect sacrifice needed. We cannot come up with it. We cannot create it. We cannot facilitate it. It has nothing to do with us. That truth is sad, but it's true. Right? Using the example of that courtroom, we cannot do anything to pay for the crime that we've committed. So even if you work for like 25 lifetime, you still cannot afford to pay it. Even if the rich, who's the richest person on earth right now? Whoever that is. Um, Jeff, Basil. Jeff Basil. He cannot pay for this either. All his money and fame and connection. He cannot pay for this. Nothing. So that's what I'm trying to get at. It's the perfect sacrifice is needed. But there's a way. There's a good news. Right? So we get back to the good news. That's why it's the good news. The good news is when we have our faith in Jesus and, and his sacrifice, acknowledging that his perfect blood, perfect, the only one who is perfect and completely righteous. His blood cleanses our sin. And this is like we're putting on garments of skin to cover ourselves in the example of Adam and Eve. Right? Adam and Eve put on the garments of skin that God has given them so they felt, they no longer felt ashamed because of what God has given them. So it is the same for us when we put on the garments of Jesus' righteousness. So when we accept his death on the cross for us. That garments of Jesus' righteousness now covering us, just like the garments of skin covering Adam and Eve. So this is when our Heavenly Father looks at us. He only sees Jesus' righteousness. He doesn't see our right. imperfection. He only sees the perfection of Jesus. He only sees the sons whom He loved and most pleased. Most pleased. This is why we should be greatly thankful. And take great joy in knowing that we're covered by Jesus' righteousness at all time. At all time. Because there will be times and hours in the day, early in the day, late at night, when we're by ourselves, the attack will come. We need to remind ourselves, I am covered by the garments of Jesus' righteousness. In Isaiah 61 verse 10, it said, I love this verse. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. We have been justified by his blood. Right? So we know what sin is, disobedience. We have that. And we know what the cost is. The cost is, it can only come from Jesus. So we need that. So once we accept Jesus, we can put on his garments of salvation, his garments of righteousness. We've been justified. That's what justified means. Is now I am righteous. I am righteous before God. In Romans 5, uh, I'm not going to read through that for you, but it's talking about the righteousness that we're now justified because of Jesus. As I mentioned earlier, there's nothing that we can do or we can buy or we can make to create the perfect sacrifice for ourselves. We have to get it from Jesus and Jesus alone. And through Him, we're righteous. We've been justified. We've been proven right. That's the definition of justified means. We're justified by our faith in Jesus, right? If you read through Romans chapter 3 and 5, Galatians 3, we've been credited as righteous through our faith in Jesus. So to sum it up, justif- justification is the act of God not only forgiving our sins, but also by substituting the righteousness of Jesus upon us. So He's forgiven our sins and He's given us the garments of Jesus' righteousness for us to wear. That's what justification means. So we have been justified. So remind ourselves when we walk around, I am wearing Jesus' righteousness. Do not let the lies and the condemnations and people trying to control us and put things over us because we have been justified. We are righteous through the blood of Jesus. We have the garments of Jesus' righteousness before God, and before our people. They may not see it, but I don't care if they can see it or not. They will see it eventually once they are around me. They can see the garments of Jesus' righteousness. We've been justified by his blood, but only, only if we accept it. He would not force it on us. He would not force it on anyone. He wants us to accept it willingly. Yes? Yes? For in John three sixteen, I know you guys see this all the time in stadiums in concerts and everywhere, but but for this con, for this for this morning, I want to point out just one thing: for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That whoever, the key word right there is whoever, believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. So, who it doesn't say so all people will have eternal life. It said whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So going back to the illustration of us standing before the judge, right? Awaiting our sentencing, and a stranger walked up and offered to take our punishment. We need to accept it. Right? We need to accept this generous offer to say, yes, Mr. Your Honor, Judge, I will accept this offer. I will accept this incredibly generous offer from this stranger to take on my punishment. Or, You can say, no, I can handle it. I'll take on this punishment. So if we accept this offer, we will have we will have freedom. We will be like forever free people. But if we don't accept that offer, we will be sentenced to it's not funny, but it's like eternal life in a concentration camp. It's like not just a life sentence, but a forever life sentence. Forever. Not just this lifetime, but forever. So therefore, we want to be confident, and we know that we've been justified through our faith in Jesus. Right? We have been justified through his sacrifice. We know what is sin, we know what the cost of sin is, and we know what we can do to be righteous, to be justified, to be justified before God and before all people. is to accept the blood of Jesus. That's what, that's what it means in terms of justification. We have on garments of Jesus righteousness before God and before all people. So just like when we sing in this song, we're reminding of the foundation that we're standing on, our trust in Jesus. Our anchor is in the hope of glory, Our faith. That's the flag that we're going to live with. And the word is his way, is our way. That's what we want to live on. We want to see that we know that we've been justified. And understanding that when God sees us, when he looks at us, right? That's not how we see ourselves. Because when I look in the mirror, when I was trying to shave the few beard that I have, I see someone different. But when we look through God's eye, God is looking at us and he only sees Jesus, the one whom he loves and is most pleased. When we look in the mirror, we see our own faults. Maybe you guys don't, but I do. When I see my own faults, right? I see my own shortcomings. I see my own weaknesses. I see my own insecurity. But I have to remind myself. We need to remind ourselves. God doesn't see those things. We need to remind ourselves every day. Every day. And that's why it's important for us to come together as as a church, as people, so then we can help each other remind ourselves. For example, this Sunday, the worship and the songs is, Do not fear. Step forward. I'm with you. You're surrounded by me. You have my garments of righteousness. That's why it's important for us to be reminded that because when reminded that we're justified, we've been justified through our faith in Jesus. God sees us as his own, as people whom he dearly loved, dearly treasured, dearly sought after, without fault. Isn't that amazing? We've been justified without fault. I can think like that all day long. I have no fault. I have no shortcomings. (laughs) And I'm completely righteous. I try to tell Vanessa that all the time. I have no fault. That's the response I usually get. Um, But, you know, that's what it is. We've been justified. We need to remind ourselves that. And that's the importance of the local church. I just want to throw that in quickly. That's the importance of us gathering together, coming to connect group, Attending a local church so we can pray for each other, reminding each other, hey, you may look funny, but you have the garments of Jesus' righteousness. You may wear all black all the time, but I only see the garments of Jesus' righteousness. Right? So, thank you. So, that's what we need to remind ourselves. So then we can be reminded also ourselves. That, hey, Hugh, you are perfect because you have Jesus' righteousness. Okay, that was... I just deviated from my note for a little. I think Vanessa's the only one that got my joke. She laughs at everything. I don't know if she means it or not, but so anyway, just a reminder, that's what justified means. We have been justified by Jesus, by his death on the cross. We've been justified. Remind ourselves of that. That's what it means. We've been proven righteous. We've been proven righteous. So when we when we know that, no one can ever accuse us of anything. You know, no one can ever uh, make accusations or put shame on us or make us feel rejected, make us feel unworthy, make us feel like, hey, why are you here? What are you doing in this neighborhood? Why are you telling people about Jesus? Who, how are you qualified to do that? Using my own experience, I'm 47. I didn't come to know Jesus until when I was 33. So I live for 33 years. I've only known Jesus for 14 years. So I, I have many more years of not knowing Jesus than I do. So it's very easy to hear the accusation. You, Most of your life you don't know Jesus, so why are you telling me about Jesus? But because of our f- standing in who Jesus is, we can speak up and say, no, I am covered in Jesus' righteousness. I've been justified. I'm qualified. I've been proven to speak about who Jesus is and share the good news. And that's what we have through our salvation. That's one of the things that we have through our salvation. We need to remind ourselves always, I'm going to say this over and over again, we've been justified through our faith in Jesus, through our acceptance of Jesus' death on the cross. So don't ever make people, let people make you feel unworthy. Make people that you feel incapable. Don't ever let people make you feel less than what you are or what we are because we're God's people yes. the creator of the universe we've been justified, God is declaring before all creations yes. that we have been justified, what, what more do we need, right do, we, do I need my neighbor to tell me that I'm justified or would you rather have God is telling before all creation that I'm justified, yes. let's compare the two, right, amen amen, so uh, I know there's so much more into this topic of justification, but I just want to share a little bit to encourage and remind all of us that we have been justified by God, not by our neighbors, not by our parents, not by our siblings, not by our coworkers or our bosses or our whoever. We've been justified by God, that we're righteous because of Jesus. Amen.